0: Well today we are celebrating the ascension of Jesus, which means we get to remember that eternity is ours, and so we're going to be taking a look at Isaiah chapter 60 and Revelation chapter 21, uh, which is the promise of eternity. If you want to open your Bibles up and follow along there as we take a look at Isaiah 60 in particular, you can do that. Uh, That's in that pew Bible you've got there, or you can follow along in the service folder if you'd like. Let's begin as we hear God's word with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. For your word alone is truth. Amen. How many of you have stuff, have things in your house that you don't want? I should probably ask, how many of you have things in your house that you, you only have things in your house that you want, right? Right? Uh, I think almost all of us, we, we're, we're Americans. We we have things in our house that we don't want and need. Uh, some of us might have even gotten to the place in our life where we have additions to our house uh, or we have floor plans in our house that we are really not very pleased with. Uh, and some of us, we, we might live in communities that need an awful lot of TLC. Uh, and by that, I mean you know our, our neighborhood, right, that the, the houses around us up and down the street, uh, maybe we live in cities that have policies and practices that are really not that uh, pleasing or, or satisfying to us. And when you get to the place in your life where you've got a house that has too much stuff, where you've got a uh, a floor plan that you're really not happy with, when you've got a community, you know, neighbors and, and houses around you, a city that you don't want to live in, you've got basically two options, don't you? One, work really hard to change it all. Or two, move! Right? Just move! Leave it all behind! I, I have this goal and dream in my life that I can uh, someday just throw a flame a match on it all and walk away right that's kind of like a a dream in my life um and and you can say that's not practical i can't afford to lose that all uh you can say you know this is where i i raised my family there's so many memories here i I can't i can't leave it all behind today god what he wants to do is he wants to invite you to move Uh, he wants to be your realtor and he knows how much you, you love your home and your house and your life. And he wants to say, hey, there's a, there's a better city for sale. Here's what I've got for you. It's the city of God, uh, the new Jerusalem. Let me tell you a little bit about this, this city. Um, have you ever noticed that as God tells history, that it starts with a garden and ends with a city? When God starts history, uh, he tells us about a garden, the Garden of Eden, paradise. And in the middle of that garden, there is a tree. It's the tree of life. That tree brings life to the whole city. To the whole garden, excuse me. Then fast forward to the end of the Bible, and now we find the same tree, but where's the tree now? Now, in Revelation 21, the tree is in the middle of a city. What's the tree of life doing in the middle of the city? It's flourishing, it's giving life to the city. What God is trying to tell us with the tree of life being in that city is that what the Garden of Eden was supposed to become is what the New Jerusalem actually is. God is trying to tell us with the Tree of Life that the, the Garden of Eden was supposed to be cultivated and developed and, and maybe grow into a city. And now, in, in your minds you think, city, I don't even maybe want to live in a city. If you're, if you're not a city person, right, don't balk too much at this, because realize that in the ancient world, a city could be anything of 15 houses all put together, right? That was a city in, in the ancient world. The smallest little hamlet could be a city. Uh, the average city in the ancient world was about 1,000 to 2,000 people, I read. So if you're not a city person, realize that you know, your cul-de-sac, if you live out in the, in the woods, might be bigger than some ancient cities. So, but what God is, is trying to tell us there is, is he told Adam and Eve to get in the garden and to work that land, to subdue it, to multiply and to, to increase, to fill the land. And he, so when we get together and, and we build houses, we build roads, we, we put up the houses all together, we are, we are filling the land. We are subduing it. We are increasing. We are cultivating it. We are building the city towards what God called us to do. And yet what we and Adam have failed to do, God has accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. And so what God wants to say to you today is, maybe it's time to move. I want to invite you to move. And here are the reasons why you should move. And today we're going to kind of fill out the MLS listing for God's eternal home the new city that he wants you to move to. And if you want to follow along in the service folder, you can do that, and we'll, we'll fill out this listing for God's new city. What can we know about the city? Well, the first thing we need to know about this city is that it says, Your gates uh, will always stand open. They will never be shut day and night, so that people may bring you the wealth of nations, their kings led in triumphal procession. So the first thing that we see about this city is that people are streaming into it and they are bringing their possessions to give to the people of the city, to the people of the New Jerusalem. And it's not just all of the people together, but each nation individually. It says their kings led in triumphal procession and what God is trying to say is, is each nation individually is is bringing its own special possessions into this city. If you were to look back, for example, into verse nine in this text, you would read about the ships of Tarshish. the ships of Tarshish were ancient for their their uh, sea were merchandise and their sea their, their shipping basically um, and then if you read in verse thirteen, you would read about the Uh, The cedars of Lebanon, which were famous woods in the ancient world. And God is saying these nations individually, they are bringing their very best possessions into the city. What's going on here? Now, God is not saying that even unbelievers will get into eternity. Uh, In chapter 23 of Isaiah, he spent time pointing out that Both Tarshish and Lebanon are excluded because they are unbelievers. But rather what's going on is that God has brought the good of all creation into eternity. He's brought the good of all creation into eternity. Even cultural goods that were not made for the glory of God, but for the glory of man, or maybe the glory of of pagan idols, they're all getting brought into this city. Wow, what a a cool thing, huh? And we don't quite know how this is happening, but God is letting the possessions of all of the nations get brought to him for his glory. The, the fire that God plans to send at the end of time is not just a fire that is going to burn and destroy, but it's also a fire that will purify and it will cleanse things. And that is how even the gifts of pagan nations can get brought to God into his new city for his glory. It's gonna, the fire will burn away all of the dross and the evil and the sin of this world So that only what is good and pure and holy is left. And those good things will be brought into the eternal city. So what would the first part of your MLS listing for this house sound like? What would you write down? Here's what I would write something like this. I would say it's a a renewed and vibrant home and city for sale. If you want to Move to this great place, you've got a renewed and vibrant home. There is commerce, there is art, there is architecture, there is some amount of of music and and probably industry, all happening in this city as these nations from all of the world bring their gifts. Second thing about this city, Isaiah goes on to say, no longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Now this is a big shock. Right? This is a big surprise from what Isaiah is saying because back just in chapter 59 just, just the previous chapter Isaiah spent most of the chapter telling us what's wrong with human beings. We're murderers. We're thieves. We scheme. We lie. We deceive. We manipulate. We cheat. He pointed out all of these things that we do. And now all of a sudden he says, No longer will violence be heard in your borders. There's no destruction anymore. What's, what's changed? What's happened? Somehow the people have changed, haven't they? And not just the people have changed, but But how the people relate to one another, how the people connect to one another has changed. And and we could say that the people themselves have been healed. And the relationships that they have with one another have been restored. Such a, a massive change has taken place. So what's the second part of your MLS listing going to say about your neighborhood? This is what mine says. You get perfect neighbors perfect neighbors right there's no more dilapidated neighbors that you neighborhood houses and and neighbors that you can't get along with you get perfect neighbors in this eternal city and the third thing about the city that god wants us to know he says the sun will no more be your light by day nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you for the lord will be your everlasting light and your god will be your glory your sun will never set again and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. This is the same thing that uh, Isaiah or that John told us in, in Revelation. He, he sees this eternal city and there are no lamps in it. There are no lights in it. And he says, where does all of this light come from. And he, he writes for us, listen to the same thing. He says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Where does the light of this eternal city come from? Well, we can say this, that this is the the light of the glory of God right? That God's immediate presence is now with his people, and the people can enjoy it. They can bask in it. It's his immediate presence. You and I, we know God immediately. We know him through his word and through his sacraments. That's how God comes to us. But in the eternal city, you will know God near and dear. He will be right next to you. See, uh in the ancient world, we, we had all kinds of pictures to show how far we are from God. When Moses went up to Mount Sinai, the people couldn't even set foot on the mountain. They had to stay that far away from God. When they traveled through the wilderness, they, God's glory, his, his light, dwelled inside of a tent. And when they, that tent was called the tabernacle. And when the people needed to move, they would just collapse all of the walls of the tent right on it. They didn't even go inside and you know, fold it up nicely and all of that kind of stuff. They just let it all fall in because nobody could get near and see the light of the glory of God. And, and when they built that temple where God's glory dwelt, then God's glory was behind a veil and a curtain. But in the holy city, the, the eternal glory of God is, is right next to you. You can live in its light. You can bask in it, enjoy it. It will be right there because you and I, we might be sinners here, but we'll be perfect, righteous, holy by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ there. And so, what's the third thing that you might say about this eternal city in your MLS listing? Here's what I wrote down uh, God access. You get God access. You know how some MLS listings will say, oh, there's boat ac- riverfront access or, or lakefront access. In the eternal city, you get God access. Would you like to live in this city? Would you like to move there? You know, if, if I could get this all today, I would move there in a heartbeat. I mean, who, who wouldn't? Perfect neighbors, a, a vibrant and renewed community, and God access all the time. And I think we all would. Solomon tells us that eternity has been put into the heart of, of human beings. And what that means is not just that we are made to think about eternal things and, and ponder them. Even more, it means that we long for an eternal home. Our hearts want a place that we can call home forever. I've been surprised, in my, just even from my kids, how, you know, as little as they are how they can long to get home to their own beds. And I think, how can their own beds really matter? But they want want that home. They want the place that they can call home. And, and, And I think we all do. But I have to tell you that if you try to make your home here, your heart can never fit in this home. Right? You can't put your home in this world and then make your heart fit in it. The the two won't go together. There's hatred and forsakenness on our insides, and there's violence and destruction around us. You can't make the two fit together. You probably know Judy Garland. Everybody know Judy Garland, Wizard of Oz? Did you know that the American Film Institute a, a few years back chose the most important the most famous song out of all American movies of all time and you know what song they picked oh, Over the Rainbow, right? Somewhere over the rainbow. And, and you know the words of that song. It goes, "Right somewhere over the rainbow way up high and the dreams that you dream of once in a lullaby. Somewhere over the rainbow bluebirds fly and the dreams that you dream of dreams really do come true." If you know the rest of of the song, you know the rest of the the story. Um, Because Judy Garland actually died at 47 from an accidental overdose of barbiturates. Uh, She was married and then divorced five times. Uh, She spent her life dealing with a lot of depression and and loneliness and big struggles. And the sad truth that she shows us and that the Bible tells us is that if you... If we try to make our home here, our heart will never fit. But if somebody were to give you a home, if somebody just gifted you a home, couldn't your heart fit in that place? If it was the right gift for you? And see, that's what what Jesus says to you. Jesus says that my father and I we will come to you, and we will make our home with you. And in another place, Jesus says, You know him, because he lives with you, and he will be in you. And the Apostle Paul says that, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that he dwells in you. Right, over and over, the Bible it says that God has, has not just taken a, a home in heaven, But he's made a home in you and with you. He's given your heart a place to call home. How can he do that? How can he come to this world of violence and destruction and hatred and and call it a home? It's because he saw a tree of death, didn't he? He said, the tree of life is supposed to be in the middle of your city. But I see a tree of death. I'm going to turn that tree of death into a cross and let my son die on that. And because this tree of death has become a cross, then it's a tree of life for you and me. And when you let God's heart make you that home, then you will really have a home. You can't make yourself a home, but if, if you let God make you that home, your heart will really find itself at home. You know, I, I think about my, I had a pastor friend who was one time saying, hey, you know, everybody's afraid of death, right? Everybody's afraid of dying. And and in a sense, it's true. It's a, it's a, it's a, a psychologically basically demonstrative fact that it, it's across the board. And, and yet he was sitting in the room with his sister and his sister piped up and said, nope, I'm not afraid of death. Not afraid at all. And, you know, it was a classic older sister shows up the uh, younger pastor kind of scene Uh, and she she really wasn't afraid of death because when god's heart makes you a home then you're going to be you're free you'll know it you'll experience that joy you will bask in the light of the glory of god and that light will never end so let god's heart make you a home friends I can't give you a tree of life to put up in your backyard. Maybe some of you, I don't know, maybe you want to do that, right? Go home today and plant a tree or this week and plant a tree and you can say, this is the tree of life. And it it reminds me all the time that God's heart has made me a home right now, even here. Or And I can't probably give you a light that, that never goes out and never ends. Um, although maybe you can find a light that never goes out. I don't know, put up some solar panels in your house, huh? But you know what I can do is I can ask you, you know, I think all of us should probably have something in our lives that tells us that God has made his home already here for us and we're already getting a little piece of it. You know, in our house, we've got just, I, I'm not a fancy guy. If you look in our house, you're not going to see a lot of decorations up on the wall. got just a basic picture of Jesus. But it it's, tells me all the time that God has made a home even now and here for me. And that's a home from his heart where I can call home. And if you let God make you that home, then you'll have a home too. I think all of us have to ask, you know, can you see when you come into my home that this is a home that God made? Because you and I, we're just a part of the story, right? We got a little, a little blip, a little chapter right here in the story. We've got our time and our place. We're a piece of the grand redemption story. And when we get to the final chapter of this story, we're going to see that everything that has ever happened in all of history was just the cover and the title page of the greatest book that has ever been written. And when we get to the moment here that Isaiah is talking about, we're going to see that it's just the first chapter of the greatest story that has ever been written. Of a story that goes on forever and where every chapter is better than the last. So let God's heart make you that home. Let's pray. Lord, if we try to build our homes in this world, we'll never have a home. We'll be homeless for all eternity. And so we ask for your forgiveness because we often do try to to build our homes here. We try to make a place where we can last forever without even thinking and realizing that eternity is our, our home. You've, you're making our home. Rather, let us see that, that your heart has made us a home already here. Uh, and when we know that, when we experience when we hear that, when we trust that, then we will have a home that will last forever. Let us trust that your home is the better home, the right home for us, and never leave this house. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.